You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Welcome to Recode Media with Peter Kafka. That is me. And if I saw you at one of the Tribeca Film Festival things I was at this week, it was great to see you. And if not, I'm glad you're listening anyway. As you probably know, Twitter is no longer a good place to tell people about things you like, like Recode Media. So it's become harder for me to tell people about Recode Media, and that's a bummer because I think we've had some really strong episodes lately. So if you're listening to this podcast and you like it, I'm just going to ask you to tell someone else about it. You can tweet about it if you want. You can text someone. You can skywrite. These things are not mutually exclusive. And whatever you do, we are grateful. Thank you. Okay, in a minute, I'm going to talk to Cristobal Valenzuela. He is the CEO of Runway ML, which is one of the buzzier AI startups, which is saying something in the buzzy AI startup phase we're in. And I wanted to talk to him because I'm interested in AI like everyone else, at least everyone else listening to this podcast, but also because the stuff that Runway does has real obvious implications for TV and video. And I wanted to get a sense of how far away companies like Runway are from totally remaking those industries and what that means. So that's that conversation we're going to have. Also of note, we recorded this a few weeks ago, and when we were talking, Runway had been valued at $500 million, which seems suspiciously low for a busy AI startup that has reportedly been fixed. They've now raised more money, including from Google, uh, and they're now supposedly worth $1.5 billion. That's better. Okay, so bear that in mind when we're discussing money stuff in here. Okay, now let's hear from Cristobal Valenzuela of Runway ML. I'm here with Chris Valenzuela. He is a co-founder and CEO of Runway, one of the hotter new AI companies. I've got a lot of questions for him. Welcome, Chris. Thank you for having me here. Uh, happy to be chatting. Thanks for coming on. I, uh, You guys came on my radar at the beginning of the year. I was trying to figure out the AI landscape. I talked to someone who's really smart about video. I said, what are you excited about in AI? He said, immediately, Runway, and pointed me to your site, which like a lot of AI sites, shows all kinds of really cool stuff you can do. It's unclear how much of it you can actually practically do. But the selling point was, this is what the guys from everything, all, every, everything everywhere, all at once used to make a really shoestring budget movie have amazing special effects. And of course, it won every uh, award. And that's your software. Yeah, that's totally true. I mean, we've been um, um, building Runway now for almost uh, five years. And so it's definitely, uh, there's definitely more excitement more recently, but um, I've been spending more personally, like a big chunk of the last decade just working on the field. So um, it's uh, kind of like coming to fruition now where you see uh, a lot of work uh, and a lot of users and a lot of like folks using Runway for stuff like that. But it's behind the scenes, it's a lot of work and a lot of years. Yeah, I wanted to ask you about this. You started the company in, in 2018. Yes. So it's not like you just saw there was an AI craze and said, let's capitalize on that. But. What has it been like in the last year to been in the middle of this boom with a product that already sort of checked a lot of AI boxes and people got excited about? You raised money at the end of the year, reportedly 50 million at 500 million. 
What's it like to start something in 2018 and then have the world five years later go, five years, six years, seven yeah. years later go, <laughs> holy cow, you're exactly what we want, what we're interested in? I mean, it's great. It's great to see more people come into a realization that this is such a transformative technology. You're right. When we started the company in 20, 2018, it was it was hard to convince investors that it was worth paying attention to. I have emails and messages from from people at the time telling me, Chris, generative AI is not a thing. You're This is a toy. What were you pitching at the time? The same thing we're pitching right now. We're building a generative AI uh, suite. Uh, we're, uh, our goal really is to allow you to make future films just with uh, generative media. The, so, okay, generative AI, this is the flavor of AI that everyone's most excited about right now. It's yes. the same stuff that's powering ChatGPT, et cetera. I just did three episodes on <laughs> AI. You guys can go back and listen to that if you need a, st a starter if you need, if you, if you need, a, if you need a, uh, to quickly get up to speed, yes. but I'll, I'll try to keep the rest of us up to speed at the same time during this conversation. So you started in 2018. Your goal was we eventually want people to be able to make movies using this software. Yes, exactly right. And and to, to be fair, at the time, models were really early and, and research was still early. And so the reason I actually started Runway, I've, I've saw research on 2014, 2015, and really realized that uh, what was happening, I don't know, in self-driving cars and other like spaces was not, not really being kind of like pay attention in the f creative world. And so spent time building that, building the research, building the models. By 2018, things were very, very early. And so pitching to investors like, hey, this is the thing that you'll be using to generate everything, every piece of content, media, video, images that you'll see and watch was was really hard because the outputs were not really there. I think over the last, I would say, eight months or so, things have gotten really good. And it's easier for people to realize that. So you guys offer a suite of software tools. Um, again, some of them are in the market today. People like uh, everywhere all at once have used them. The Colbert Report, not the, Col the Colbert, Colbert Show, Show, yes, uses them to build out graphics. You've got something new out called Gen 2, which allows you to do text to video. Yes. This is the dream slash nightmare <laughs> lots of people have about what AI is going to be able to do. In this case, the pitch is type something in plain English and we'll make, we'll yes. generate a little movie for you. And I want to talk about Gen 2 in a bit, but the, the existing products, the stuff that you have now, who uses it today? So we have around 30 different AI tools. We call them magic tools. Every magic tool does something different. So you were chatting about the, the Colbert show or the movie Everything Everywhere All at Once. They use one of our tools to do rotoscoping, which is if anyone has ever done editing or film or has worked in, in video, perhaps knows it's one of the most painful things to do in, Des in video. Describe in sort of plain English what rotoscoping is. Rotoscoping is just the task of taking an object in a video and segmenting or creating like a layer so you can remove that object from the video and then do whatever you want with it. You can put it somewhere else, you can color grade it, you can change it. The you thing can manipulate a moving object and exactly. change its... It's like a, it's it's basically if you don't have a green screen um, mm -hmm. and you can shoot with a blue or green background, you can you can take an existing video, but you have to m manually go frame by frame doing this very tedious, time-consuming work, which is really expensive. Mm -hmm. And so we have an algorithm that does it for you. Just click once, and you basically have the full uh, video uh, segmentation or rotoscoping done for you. And so for someone who's been working on video for years, who's spending weeks, I'm not kidding, this takes people weeks of work. Having an AI system that does it in like a second is just so liberating because the thing that you really don't want to do that's taking so much of your creative energy can now be automated. So this is the the most positive version or the, the version of the AI pitch 
that as I guess I'm called a creative for the purposes of this conversation that I'm most comfortable with, right? We're going to take work that is laborious and make it much faster. We're going to take work that you wouldn't be able to do with your team because you have a small team and we're going to effectively give you sort of a a Hollywood level uh, special effects thing right out of a a kit, basically. That sounds very appealing. And then the the part that scares people is, no, that's going to take away my job. How do you guys think about both the pitch that you're making to to creatives and people like this is going to help you do your job as opposed to replace your job and and what do you want this software to be able to do eventually? Yeah, that's a great question. I think that the right approach here is that these will make your job different, right? And so on the one end, you have people who can already leverage these things, who are already working in creative fields and automate these very boring aspects of creativity that you just have to do it. But someone was doing that work, right? right? Someone, someone was getting paid to do that work. Exactly. And and the nature of technology is that it makes disruptive technology makes things more convenient and, easy and, and accessible and easy for everyone to use. And so on the one end, that job will become easier to do, which would allow other people to also be able to do new stuff, right? Mm-hmm. And so if you imagine that right now, the people who can do rotoscoping are folks that can afford the software to do it, who have the technical knowledge, which basically means you need the, the background, the, the kind of like... Um, experience or the know-how or you have been probably, probably like trained to do it, right? The moment you have someone, a system that does it for you, you open the doors for much more people to go and uh, kind of like enter the next level, which is great. What else can you do with it? And so on the one end, I think the nature of, of, of not just AI, I would say of any technological revolution is really to make sure that things can be more efficient, effective, and convenient for people to use. And this is this is exactly the same case. So the fear you hear about, and it's it's all happening a lot, the conversation is happening a lot right now during the writer's strike is, wait, what about the future where you're not just helping me do my work and make my work better, make my work faster, make my work more creative? Where's the part where you just replace me, the screenwriter, the special effects person, the actor? Because that's, again, is part of some people's pitch is you're going to make an entire movie, you're going to type in something, and it's going to generate the entire thing on your MacBook, and you're done. You don't ever have to deal with anybody else. It's going to blow up Hollywood, et cetera. Let's just assume that those are the most <laughs> fanciful versions okay. of it. But the reality was, should make some people pretty nervous. Like, am I going to lose my job? I understand and I empathize with that. And I think a great way of understanding the future is looking at the past. And so if you think, for example, to the history of film and cinema in the 1920s, most of the films that were like being put out and, and, and were circulated and were shown were silent, right? So the moment technology allowed for films and filmmakers to add mm-hmm. sound to that, that, that piece of work, uh, there's a huge reaction and a backslash. Like Chaplin was, was against adding sound because the argument was like, who's going to pay for the orchestra that's paying in the theater? Right, and that's a valid argument. Yep. That's, that's true. It, it is. If right? your job was to sit in an orchestra of a theater and make music, exactly, that puts you out of work. Who's going to pay that? So we should prohibit and we should ban kind of like audio and movies. And the truth is that one thing that's very hard for us to understand is change. I think in these cases is no different. This is changing the nature of how we understand media, entertainment, and creativity in itself. And so some jobs like orchestras in films will, yeah, will will be gone, and will it's it's part of the process. But at the same time. The amount of value and jobs that were created because the technology was invented, like picture every single digital industry, music industry that was born the moment that was possible, right? And so that's, I would say, more of the, 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 the I would say, the right approach, the right angle to look at this. And this is no different from, from what so, happened in the past. So to be clear, do you want Runway to be able to let me make a movie 
at my at my desk with a with a MacBook and not really anybody else. I think the notion that you can make a movie by pressing a button is just uh, from my personal like belief, it's kind of like boring on the one end. And secondly, it's it's uh it's I would say AI doesn't work in a zero-sum game where it's like it does nothing or it does everything. Mm -hmm. Every creative process, perhaps you know this as well as a feedback process, it's a feedback loop. There's something you have, you iterate, you look through it, you take inspiration from some all around you, you take that inspiration and you manifest it in some way. That could be art, videos, images, whatever it is. And it's a feedback process. If you speak with any creative person, it's a process, right? Creativity, media, film, storytelling on its own, it's really a feedback system. And really, this is part of feeding in that, or augmenting that loop, right? So one way to look at this is that you're gonna press a button and some sort of like video will come out, right? Sure. But if you really want to understand how videos and content, in, in this case, film, are made, it's much more complex than that. This is a tool that will help you, if you have an idea, execute that idea, visualize it, and then take it from the next level and do it again and again. And this is things that people can technically do today, but you need a lot of budget, a lot of time, a lot of effort, a lot of kind of like technical skills. And that's where I go back to like, this is just making things more convenient, like every piece of technology has ever done before. Can you clear up the, uh, the the I'm a little confused and I know other people are as well because when I was asking them about your company they were also confused about the history of the company uh, and what your relationship to stable diffusion is and stability AI uh, one of these things is is a technology the other one is a company um, and you guys have been interconnected but are different. Yeah, so um, again I've been personally working in the field for 8 years or so runways now turning for five years, uh, been working on this inside research inside NYU. This is actually how we got started. And we've been pioneering and researching in, in a lot of different fields in, in a lot of different areas in the space. And one of our core research uh, papers and uh, algorithms and, and kind of like publications we did was kind of like two years ago, an algorithm called Latent Diffusion. That's the short name of the actual paper. That's a bit longer. That paper and that code was open source, and multiple versions of that code were released over time. One of those versions was a version that we labeled stable diffusion. That's a, just a, an improved version of the same algorithm, but trained on a larger set uh, data set. And this is, again, in, in as dumbed down plain English as you can put it, this, is, this allows people to do what? To type in or generate images conditioned to text prompts, for example. Mm -hmm. You can type in a text prompt and get an image. So when you're when you're seeing a lot of the AI art that's been floating around the internet yes. for the last year, basically yes. six months, really, it's pretty new. Um, that's all coming out of stable that the, the tech. Of it might there there are a few other like techniques and models, which is which is great to see more kind of like oper like uh, um, uh, things being developed. But uh, latent diffusion and stable diffusion, the research, the engineering work, and the kind of like the core model comes from Runway and this organization in Germany called LMU Munich, which is a a uh, university in Germany that we collaborated with. We put that model out. The model was open source, and the model took a life of its own. Um, we've seen companies build, been built around it. We've seen open source projects use it. And I think that part of the, really our intention of open sourcing the first version and the later versions was really to drive this creative kind of behavior and understanding of what's possible with this. And what's your relationship with stability? We have no relationship with stability. But you did at one point, right? No, stability just donated the compute to train the model. And so Me, donated means they they allowed their computers to work. They they said we have computers and we'll work on this problem. No, they had basically like here's here's GPU compute. You can train the model on this cloud compute cluster, and we label the model stable diffusion as a thank you for donating their compute. Okay, that's basically. But we don't have a relationship with somebody. Are you competitors with them? Uh, I'm not 
sure we're competitors. I do think like we're more, I mean, for my understanding, um, uh, I'm not sure exactly what the business model of open sourcing kind of like models is. I think that's a different kind of like conversation. For us, we're much more focused on uh, building end-to-end products and, and, and solutions. And so we do the research but we do the products and we have an iPhone app and a web app where we embed this kind of like core research components on it, which is very, very special and unique. Let me ask you about Gen 2 of, yes. of your suite of stuff. And this is the thing that I, gets a lot of people very excited. It's text to video. Yes. I type into a box, make me a video about this. I do it in plain English and it generates a video. That's the the promise. It's, yes. a, it's a beta. I got to play with it a little bit last <laughs> night. And it's, it's very much a beta. It's, yes. it's pretty rough. So here here's some things that I noticed. One, it's not really – It's they're, they're, I think, five-second clips supposedly. But they're really GIFs, right? It's mostly a stable image with maybe a little bit of, of motion, at least when I've seen it. It gets stuff wrong, just like we are now realizing AI does all the time, right? You ask it to draw th- – make four, three people in a scene. It adds a fourth. It adds extra arms, all kinds of yes. weird stuff like that. I kind of expect that. There were things I didn't expect, like I asked it for some reason to have Hillary Clinton and Saddam Hussein in a, in a room together, and it would not draw Hillary Clinton for me. And then I took me a lot of trial and error. And my guess is it doesn't allow me to draw Hillary Clinton at all. Are there – have you guys limited what I can ask Gen 2's software to do for me? Yeah, based so, on people or actions? Are there things that you won't allow it to do or I people think- that won't let you allow it to create? I think one thing that you mentioned that I completely agree is that this is very early. So I think we, we, we're trying to emphasize that as, as much as possible. Like we are very in the early innings of, of, of models and language has gotten a bit further because it's been, it's been uh, iterated a bit more, but video is really just getting started. Mm-hmm. And so Gen 1 and Gen 2 are just a couple of weeks old. And those are the models that we've kind of like put out. And so there's a lot to improve in there. One thing that I do think it's important to remember and keep in mind is that these models, again, don't work out of the box. It's it's not a button. So if you go back to the the um, kind of like analogy of, of thinking about this as a series of game, it's not that you're just going to type a word and you're going to get exactly what you want, right? In the same way that having a camera doesn't make you a filmmaker. Mm-hmm. It's not that you're going to place record and somehow you're going to win an Oscar, right? No, but if you point the camera at something and hit a button... At this point, you have a reasonable expectation you will get an image that looks like what you asked the right. camera to take a picture but of. But if you consider that we're in the early stages of development, if you mm-hmm. take the analogy of the camera, then what you're using right now is a black and white camera that works with a complicated system to record images. And so when you take a picture in the 1920s, there was a blurry images. I mean, you couldn't, couldn't really yeah. see like the back, but you can tell that eventually well, right? And now we're like, okay, you take a camera and it points uh-huh. to the thing and you, you get what you want, kind of, right? So yeah, I'm, I, I get the idea that it's early days and yes. you can tell me how far you think it is before I actually generates the video that I want, you know, with reasonable accuracy. The Hillary Clinton question, did I pick up on something there? Is Are you, are there things that, that, that you guys will not construct for me if I ask you to make them? We, are, we have a safety system and a moderation system that allows us to prevent possible misuses. And uh-huh. so I'm not sure what prompt you use, yeah. but I, I wouldn't be uh, kind of like uh, one case could be that, that the model basically was like, hey, this this could be harmful in some way or uh, prohibit you from generating. Yeah, what I noticed is every time I asked it to make Hillary Clinton, it just would not. It would make me Saddam Hussein. It would make me Antonin Scalia ask for for some reason. <laughs> Bo Derek, it made uh, a bunch of different weird, weird things. If I someone said, "Oh, put in 2016 female presidential candidate," and it gave me, I don't know if it was Hillary, but it was something blondish. So is it is that code that 
is the is those those moderation and safety standards that's something that's entirely up to you are you building off someone else's database that's also restricted no we're building it uh we have a, a team uh, a quality alignment and robustness robustness team that basically um, is uh, aim and has the sole mission of making these systems as safety and as safe as reliable and controllable as possible and we build internal mechanisms the fact that you've actually used this through a research interface is kind of like the point mm-hmm. we haven't yet released it because part of what we're really trying to make sure is that we consider all of this the yeah. systems and like um, uh, things that need to be kind of like thought before making it more public well is this considered a large language model no though? language models are it's not language yes exactly <laughs> it's a video model but it's same premise though right it's going out and uh, ingesting a lot of images learning sort of what they're called and, and then sort of it's, trying to build you something that looks like what you asked for based on what it knows about? Right. It's uh, in the overall macro is, is what's called, it's part of the Generative AI kind of like subfield, which mm-hmm. is algorithms that can not only understand the world, but generate parts of the world. Within this case, it's language or videos or image or a combination of those. You have multi-models models that can actually create images, but also videos and also audio. And that's kind of like another field of research as well. Where are you getting the training images and videos from is a, is a question that people are starting to ask a lot now as people are starting to figure out copyright issues, et cetera. So where do you get uh, the images that you're using to train your, your, your engines on? We use internal data sets and we also partner- What's an internal data set though? Of we, data sets we've created. But like- where do you get the video so to make the data? So all of the models, we have 30 different models. And so all the models are created differently. For example, for, for, for our rotoscoping tool, that's a, it's not a generative tool, but it's a tool that we created, that we train. Mm-hmm. The way we created the videos for those, those videos didn't exist. So we synthetically generated them mm-hmm. using a technique of like shooting, uh, using like a, another green screen uh, kind of background and then compositing them. Right, but and when so, I asked you to make a Saddam Hussein smoking a cigar video, yeah. you did. You made something that looked, like Saddam Hussein. So where where did your systems learn what Saddam Hussein looks like and what video and or art? Right. So my point is we use, depending on the type of algorithm, we collect and we build different internal data sets. Uh-huh. And we also work with companies, media companies, and companies that do have a lot of content. I'm talking about hundreds of millions of videos to train their own models on our IP. And you're right? licensing that video? Exactly. So so like who's the partner for that? I can't really go into that yet, but uh, you'll soon hear more about that. So stability, who you say you're not competing with, but we discussed the non-relationship with, they're getting sued by Getty because they said that you're using our stuff, you haven't licensed it. OpenAI does have some agreements they'll tell me about with like Shutterstock for training their stuff, uh, other ones they won't tell me about. Do you imagine at some point you're going to have some sort of legal issue where someone's going to say, that image is mine? Either that image is mine or you use my images to train your computers. I think we're always looking to work with people in the industry. And we've been doing this for, again, for some years now. Mm -hmm. And so we build relationships with media companies, with providers, with stock content providers. We're really excited about what we're building here. I think it's it's a natural part of the the way we build the business to partner with those people and build a long-lasting relationship over time. We'll be right back after a word from a sponsor. Vacations can be tricky. You already know how to book flights and hotels, but now the only thing you're missing is, you know, the actual travel experience. Because is it really a vacation if you're just sitting around like you would at home? You need a tool to get the most out of your time away. That's where Viator steps in. You can book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. 
Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. And we're back. So, again, I told you I was playing with Gen 2 last night and this morning. Uh, Again, you just type in, make me this image. What does it cost you guys to generate one of those very short clips. A it few takes cents. a couple minutes. So, so you're using Gen 2. Gen 2 is a text to video, right? But mm-hmm. it's part of our Gen X models. Mm-hmm. And Gen X have different types of uh, modalities you can generate video. Another one is video to video. So if you want to have much more control over how you generate it, about the, the, the camera movement or the angles and the position of objects, you can use an existing video and use that as a source to generate a completely new video. That allows you now to generate videos up to 15 seconds, right? Mm-hmm. And we're going to work towards more over time, as you can imagine. Again, this is just a couple of weeks uh, old. Depending on the length, we basically, there's a compute cost that we were charged that were like, uh, there the were- cost that you're paying someone else who's got racks and racks of computers. Yes, it's just a server mm-hmm. in the cloud. <laughs> there's always yeah. a computer somewhere. There's no cloud. It's just a, a couple cents somewhere. cost to you for uh, like a five second- Yes. Video. Right. So, so the thing it's is, it's really not even a five-second video. It's mostly a, a, it's mostly a static picture with a little bit of movement. So that's the thing. Depends on how you use it, because you can generate and you can create fast-moving content and videos, and, and you can move around. You can move the camera around the ways that you want it to, and people have figured out ways of being much more expressive with the tool. So for sure, if you type one word, you might yeah. not get what you want. But um, for example, I was I was I was chatting with this highly experienced. Uh, VFX supervisors, so someone who's working on films for more than 20, 50 years. Video effects. Yeah. Video effects, yes, visual effects. Creating fire and simulations of water yeah. and sand and dust is one of the hardest things to yes. do, right? Because you're trying to physically emulate how particles actually react in the world. And people spend their entire like, PhD thesis on like a singular formula that allows you to simulate how water reacts with like mm-hmm. oil, for example. Gen 2 allows you to create simulations of water, fire, dust with seconds and with just a prompt in a very convincing way. And so to your point, it's like it's it's it, depending on what you're trying to generate, the results might vary so much. Sure. And, and I, 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 it sounds right. like I'm being highly critical of your beta, which no, I'm not. Right. I'm just really <laughs> interested in it. What I was getting to with the cost is where does that cost need to come down to to make it a commercially viable project? for you to offer your customers? Well, it, it is already. We have BF, those same BFX uh, artists that I'm telling you about mm-hmm. have are paying for runway right now because right, they yeah, see. Yeah, but, but I mean right. like the, the Gen 2 stuff, right? This holy yes. grail of type in plain English, shoot out a, a short video. Where does that, and right now you're saying it's a couple pennies per, yes, per instance. Yes, it is. And, and to, so to what does clear, that need to get down to to make it something where you can go, this is can now be available to lots of people to not just make five-second videos but to make long videos to make a movie. Right. So the, there's two things first. Uh, on the cost side of things, it's already feasible for this to be used by, we have millions of users, so it's already, I guess, happening. Over time, as technology develops, efficiencies will be done and things will either go, cost will down either, either lower. 
Now, the, the, the constraint around time for videos is not really a cost constraint. It's a memory. It's, a, it's in the model itself. Because if you think about it, video is really an illusion. It's a magical trick. You're taking frames of images and you're stitching them together to create the illusion of movement, right? There's no movement. And now something really hard for an algorithm is to understand how one frame correlates to the frame that was before and correlates to the frame that's after it, right? So if an object moves, okay, that object needs to maintain the consistency over time as it moves across different frames, right? And so the model, the model has to have a memory of sorts, right? When you extend that window for too long, right, it's a very compute-intense system. So the longer you extend it, the more compute that you have, right? And the harder for the model to like keep track of everything that's going on the scene, mm -hmm. right? So it's an engineering problem, basically. So what we're doing is when we release Gen 1 and Gen 2, the first ever release was three seconds. Then we improve it to five. Now we're working to, now you can do 15. So it's only a matter of time till we get like, you know, further on the road. But it's not just compute the cost of running this. It's more of like, that's where I go, like we're very early in the beginnings of the technology and where you're playing with, it's an old black and white camera that's improving really fast. So, so... But just to hang on the, the cost versus tech. So you're saying it's not really a cost issue that's preventing us from making this more widely available. It's a memory issue. But that sounds like another way of saying cost. They're all they're all resources you have. No, to uh, no? I mean, for, so first of all, this is already accessible for anyone. You can uh -huh. download it on your iPhone. You can access it on a web browser. It's already accessible. And for someone who's been doing visual effects, they're spending weeks of work on making a simulation of fire that you can make in like a few seconds in runway. So that's already saving you, I'm not kidding, like yeah. thousands of dollars, right? So it's efficient and effective already as it is right now. Now, extending it for like, if you want to create an hour long session, well, technically you can. Most films right now, the scenes for every scene are like four to five seconds long, right? So we have folks, there are this filmmaker called Paul Trillo who made a video, of a short film, entirely generated, entirely generated just with text. He's touring around, he's been wanting some awards with it. The film is just composed of short scenes between like five and 15 seconds that collectively together make a short film. But so last crack at this, the cost to you as a company to make this stuff right now, you feel it's already cheap enough that this is a viable product. It doesn't need to come down. You don't need for that cost to go from two cents to one cent. No, of course, of course. It's it's convenient enough, but uh, you can make it cheaper uh, over time. And then we're working towards that. That's my point. We're very early and the systems that will make it so it's more efficient will take some time, but we're working towards that. And I was on the subway last night and I was trying to figure out new prompts. <laughs> and every time the train would end up at a different station, I'd plug in a different prompt. Nice. And by the end of my subway ride, I noticed that I'd been limited in some way. It said, you're now in slowdown mode. Was that you guys going, oh, Peter is using too much of this too fast. We got to slow him down. Or do you think that was too many people on the server at once? No, it had nothing so, to do with what I was so doing. So we're limited. It's, Gen 2 has this addictive quality. There's people who've been created, I'm not kidding, 10,000 videos. Mm -hmm. So ten, this is where I go back to creativity is an iterative process. Imagine going to the subway and you create 10,000 videos, yep. right? It's a lot of videos. And so what you're experiencing right now in the product that you had, it's a research preview. We're not, we're getting yep. these for free for everyone. Yeah, all, all so, I was getting is, 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 are you slowing me down because I'm taxing your systems or because I'm racking up too high a bill? Because because we want to make sure that as we res do the research, we maintain some boundaries of how much you can create, right? Uh -huh. So for now, we're limiting to a few generations uh, for users because we're still in the free mode for Gen 2. But over time, you'll see that release. And Gen 1, you can make as many as you want. So no. we've been talking about this is early days, this yeah. is early tech. How far are we away from you guys making good on your pitch, which is 
type something. You can create an entire movie soup to nuts on well, your own if you want. Technically, that's already possible. That's like we hosted a film festival a couple of months ago in New York, and we were exhibiting and highlighting and celebrating films that were made with AI. Paul Trello just made a video a couple of weeks ago, entirely generated. It's a short film. And we'll so, try to include some links to this on the in the show notes. Yes. It's People a beautiful can, film. So the main frustration about talking about AI, especially for stuff like this, is you want to see the images. So I'll, 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 I'll link to it, and I'll, but I'll describe it because it's a beautiful film. There's a, It's a very surreal film. There's someone war, walking in a room that's full of water, right? And it's like, it's a, it's a it's there's a voice on the back that's chatting about like a relationship between two people. There's, there's a scene then he goes into the desert. You see someone in a telephone booth, all generated, all everything, just with text prompts. He created hundreds of videos for this. Mm-hmm. If you think about for a minute, trying to shoot that, taking out of that same idea in like with like live action, we've taken him like months and a huge budget. Going to like the desert, shooting, having actors, going into a room, filling it up with water, or even simulating that was, of course, it's super expensive and like time consuming. Mm-hmm. He did it in like a few days with just runway. And so I guess to your point is like when we might see like entire films or entire shorts being generated, I think that's just like we already are there. We will over time see large improvements of the quality of those outputs. And right. that's what we're going to So that's another way of putting it. So right now, generally when I see something that someone says they made with generative AI, you can tell. Sometimes because it just looks, it doesn't look. It's an aesthetic, yes. It's an aesthetic. Sometimes someone's got an extra arm. A lot of the stuff has a sort of trippy, psychedelic look. Yes. If I just wanted to make something that looked like a regular movie, but I had generated fake actors and a fake background, et cetera, how, how far away from are we from that kind of realism? I think if in just a couple of months. Months? Uh, yes. Months, that yes. fast. Yes. I mean, that's the point. Like, things are progressing incredibly fast. But to be clear, this is not just the, the fact that things are progressing over the last couple of months. These are decades of work, and mm-hmm. it dates back to like the 30s and the 40s. There's so much work being happening here. What we're seeing right now is like a specific moment in time where models have gotten really more mainstream. And you go into a subway or a, a taxi in New York, and everyone's studying about ChatGPT and video models, and everyone's excited about mm-hmm. it. But for the research community, it's been, it's been brewing for some years, for sure. Right. I mean, one of, this is one of the things I was sort of figuring out when I was putting this, this AI primer together uh, a couple of months ago was a lot of what has happened in the last couple of months that's so exciting is, and not to diminish it in any way, is a, is a UI thing, right? We've yes. made it so someone like me who doesn't know how to program a computer can now generate amazing AI stuff yes. just using English. And so a lot of it has been uh, advances made on the front end that made it sort of translating between me and the computer. I think it's it's partially true. I agree with that. I think you know, advancements have been made on UIs and also on speed, like generating stuff. Like GPT models have been around for some time, but they do take some time to generate. Things have done have progressed so much that you can now do almost that in, in a browser in real time in your computer. And open source models have gotten really good where you can run this probably in your phone. Um, and so there's there's not only core research happening, but the infrastructure to support those kind of things has also been advancing really rapidly. Curious, you're you're in New York, a company's based in New York. You, yes. you, you started it here because you were at NYU yes. as, a, as a PhD student? No, I'm uh, an art student. Art student? Yes. Undergrad? Uh, grad. Grad. Did you think you were going to be starting a, a $500 million AI company? Not really. I mean, I've, uh, I went to a really unique school. Um, it's, uh, it's the way to describe it is it's art school for engineers and engineering school for artists, right? So it's a multidisciplinary program. Is this the NYU? ITP. ITP. Yeah, yes. yeah. A lot of, you know a lot of people. Oh, yeah. Nice. Uh, um, uh, who came out of it? Um, 
Dennis Crowley. Yes, from Foursquare. Foursquare. Yeah, yes. that was like, like early, early First, Web 1.0 yes. tech ner- nerds who weren't who couldn't really code but had interest in making cool stuff. That was where they went. Yes, and so ITP is a, it's a it's a unique place because it allows you to play with frontier technology. It's like the center for the recently possible. So I came on 2016 to really go as deep as I could on uh, deep learning, and I was fascinated what I was seeing at the time. And so R- Runway was actually the the research me and my co-founders were doing inside school, and we didn't thought about it as a company. We were just doing the research mm-hmm. that we thought it was fascinating. We were building the models, the systems, the tools, and then eventually became a company. You know, I spent years because I was working at a company was that initially called Silicon Alley Insider. Yeah. We're supposed to cover tech in New York, and there was a lot of like, when is New York going to start its own tech corridor similar to Silicon Valley? And there's sort of a back and forth about whether that's something you'd want. But it seems like generally the most ambitious people in tech end up going to Silicon Valley. How come you guys didn't move there and build that company in California? And what does it mean that you built this company that has at least some traction that is based in New York? I think we're, we were always thoughtful about the fact that we're coming from an artistic kind of engineering background. And we really wanted to make that kind of like clear. That, that I think has allowed us to have deep empathy for our users and our customers. And so New York for us makes a lot of sense. It's always made a lot of sense. We have a lot of our customers and users. The, the people who are making media are still Artist, here. Artists and yeah. creatives and, and, and designers and producers. And there's a film scene here like... There's so many things in New York that make it so special for building a creative company. Um, at the same time, I feel like we were, I mean, we're coming out of NYU, uh, three immigrants, like little really context and, and knowledge about um, like the broader like uh, landscape in SF. And so for us, it's just easier to stay here, build something here. And I think what we've proven is it doesn't matter where you are. Do you, think that's, do you think that's about tech in general in 2023? Do you think that's about something about the nature of... AI that makes it more plausible to to start a company and not be in California? What I've realized is that it matters less where you are and who you know and like what you've done and like what can you do? Like can you build? And you can build from anywhere these days. I mean, COVID has basically proven that to to the extreme. Mm -hmm. And so for us, it's like, are we going to move to SF and try to like basically start our lives from from scratch again because we just did two years ago after moving to, to, to here, to New York? And I think it was not worth it because we just knew that if we we're going to succeed at building this, we just need to build. And build can be done from anywhere. Um, and so I don't think it, it really matters where you are right now. Let's talk about the future of the company. Um, there's a Forbes story. I think pegs your your annual revenue at maybe a million dollars a year. I think you guys have maybe suggested it's higher than that. But it seems like this is still a very small business dollar-wise. What is, what is going to vault you into a meaningful-sized business that's going to make good on your, yeah. your valuation <laughs> of a half billion dollars and probably more? Those articles are so funny because they've 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 never like asked us for any of those those numbers. So I don't know where they're coming from. But what Doesn't I can mean say, I know. <laughs> I mean, what I, they're they're totally wrong. Uh, what I can okay. say it's it's multiple times those we're growing very fast uh, in in all fronts. And and again, I'll emphasize that it's really just the beginning. And we've taken really a thoughtful approach and research on the one end, but also on the customer kind of like product building side of things and relationships with the companies I've been telling you about, with our customers, the empathy we build takes some time to build. And I think you're going to give me a similar answer, but I'm sure you've been asked this question a bunch. 
you're not the only people doing this. Um, a lot of people look at it in the AI landscape and say the people who are going to really win this stuff are big established companies, the Microsofts of the world, the Googles of the world, in your, in your case, the Adobes of the world, um, people who have big suites of products that people who make videos and other stuff are already using, that they're going to do similar work to what you're doing. They're going to build it in. They've got a lot more power and reach, et cetera. So how do you think about competing with those folks? I think what we're seeing right now is pretty much like a playbook description of an innovator's dilemma. Like you have companies with traditional incumbent uh, uh, old school ways of doing things. So if you think about video and film, exactly, this, this is the way we've worked for it for the last 30, 40 years. It hasn't really changed. The moment you can generate a film with text and you can iterate with it, it basically means that uh, I would argue that everything we've built over the past around stacks and processes and pre-production and post-production will become obsolete, will change radically. And the folks who are going to be able to, who are going to be at the frontier of inventing those, because these are new things. These are not things, the metaphors that we used in the past, the systems, the UIs, the software that we build will not match, will not work. This is just different. And in order to build different stuff, you need to have a different mindset. And that different mindset comes from people who are moving fast, who are learning fast, who are different tiers of technology, and who are not kind of like constrained to existing old school kind of like principles. You don't think Adobe is going to offer me a text-to-video option in the next year? I mean... As part of a suite of stuff that I'm buying from them? Probably. I think that's great. There's more competition. Uh -huh. and I think it will make things great. Um, we've been uh, working for this for some years, and speed really matters. And so, of course, co large companies have, have uh, uh, harder times to move sometimes. But I think overall, look, don't get me wrong, I think it's great that more people are coming in. Like, I think it's great that we're not finally alone on like saying like, hey, generative media is going to be exciting in into this. Um, at the same time, I think building a company is more than just technology. It's about like culture and how you look at your customers and your, your users and the invention. I think really for us, we've been really focused and this is our core value of the runways, like inventing. Inventing regards to special ethos. And for us, something that's unique is that we're really good at combining art and science, which I think is really what AI needs these days. What is going to constrain your growth in the end? Is it going to be capital? Is it going to be customers? Is it going to be tech? These days, I'm really obsessed about talent. Uh, we're, we're just to be clear, we're 50 people in the company. So we've been able to done cutting edge research, foundational models that have moved the field forward in great ways. I'm very proud of that. And that's just because the talent density of runway is very high. We put so much effort in hiring the best people and it takes a lot of time. And, and as you grow, you, you get different challenges. But something I've really been obsessed with is just finding those talented people who can make things the way we've done. And if there's something that's gonna be constraining us, it's not attracting that, that talent. Chris Valenzuela, excellent to meet you. Of course, thank um, you. It really is fun to play with this stuff. Um, you cannot play with Gen Two right now. Right? I think you have to. You have to get Chris. You to will give you special uh, permission. very in, in just a few more weeks. Okay, so depending on when you hear this podcast, you either have to wait days or not at all to play with Gen Two. You can go sign up on Runway. You need to get on Discord. Finally, got me to use Discord for the first time. And well, I've used it before, but I don't use it very often. Uh, great to meet you. Thank you for your time. Thank you. Thank you for having me here. Thanks to our sponsors for bringing the show to you for free. That's zero dollars, still the same. Thanks to Travis and Jelani for editing the show, producing the show, and thanks to you guys for listening. We'll see you next week. More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high quality leads, fast closing deals, 
wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.